Well, our uh, reading this morning is from the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8, page 1134, 1134 in the Pew Bibles, Romans chapter 8, and we'll read again from verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Amen. Let's take a moment to pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word to us. We thank you for this great chapter of Scripture, for the promises contained within it, for the assurance that there is now no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. We thank you that we can live our lives without fear as we trust in these great promises. We thank you that even death has lost its sting in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And we pray very specially at this time for Peter Dixon, Father. We bring him before your throne of grace. And Fiona, and Ian, and Gary, and Emma, and the, the wider family. 
these promises, Father, that they have heard so many times. Promises that Peter has known and has embraced and has shared for so many years, that they would be very, very real to him and to Fiona and to the rest of the family. That those within the family who don't know Christ as Lord and Savior would at this time find in Jesus all that they need. And that Peter himself in his weakness would know your strength, would know that living hope, would know that peace that passes understanding as he rests in Jesus, his Lord and Savior. We commend him to your care and keeping now and always in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have begun a journey together through uh, what is surely one of the most famous chapters of the Bible, Romans chapter 8. And the Apostle Paul in these opening verses has really basically been answering questions that every Christian at times in our uh, Christian lives ask. And in so doing, he is addressing some big challenges and some big dangers that every Christian has to face uh, at, at times in our Christian life. So the first question is this. Having come to faith in Christ... And, and recognized the seriousness of our sin and had this wonderful experience and being, being uh, baptized and had that period of great excitement and joy in Jesus. Then coming to find that actually that experience hasn't completely fixed me. Finding that we still sin. We still do the things that we don't want to do. And sometimes the things that we do want to do, we don't do. Coming to that point where we find that we are filled with inconsistencies. And even when we try to stop sinning, we still sin. Coming to that point, as Paul does at the end of Romans chapter 7, where we say, what a wretched person I am. Is there ever a time that we can say that we have cause to despair, to give up and walk away, or to fear that we have gone too far, that we have gone out with the boundary lines that God has set so far gone that we no longer can say that we have been forgiven? Is there ever cause to fear the condemnation of God? And Paul's answer in Romans chapter 8 is no. If you are truly in Christ, never. We never have to fear His condemnation. And therefore, we never have to despair. We never have to give in. We never have to walk away. 
Because what the law could not do, God did. What could the law not do? The law couldn't get you to God. It couldn't get me to God. The law could not save you. It could not save me from our sin. But what the law was powerless to do, God did through the Lord Jesus Christ by sending His Son to be a sin offering. And so when the accuser accuses you and reminds you of your sin, reminds you of your inconsistencies, reminds you of all of the occasions that you have stumbled and fallen or wandered away, you are able to say with the Apostle Paul, there is now no condemnation for me in Christ Jesus. Which leads us to another question, doesn't it? So given uh, that we can, the fact that we can never uh, go beyond the boundaries of the grace of God, given that there is now no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus, can we then say that it doesn't matter how we live? Can we then say that we might as well just keep on sinning then? Because we know that we're going to be forgiven anyway. And actually we know that God gets glory from the grace that forgives our sins. So maybe we might think, well, the more that I sin, the more grace it will take to see me forgiven. And the more grace it takes to see me forgiven, the more glory God gets for that grace. Is that right? Well, the Apostle Paul has already tackled this question in this letter. So we could have parachuted into the letter in Romans chapter 8, but if we were to go back uh, to Romans chapter 5, we would see him proclaim and outline essentially the gospel. And then having outlined the gospel of grace, we move into Romans chapter 6, and he asks this question. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may abound. He says, by no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So to come to faith in Christ is to be born again into a new life. It's to die to the old life and to live to a new life. What does this new life look like? That's our question for this morning. We might say this new life is a life lived being led by the Spirit of God. We spoke last week about the phrase that Paul loves to use. He loves to say, in Christ we are 
as Christians, those who are in Christ. We are um, in this world, we are in Airdrie, but we are also in Christ. And in Christ, we are safe and secure and loved and accepted. But it's just as important to remember that not only are we in Christ, but Christ is in us by His Spirit. This new life to which we are called is a life lived not according to the sinful nature, verse 4, but according to the Spirit. That is to say, we are to allow the Spirit to set the course for our lives, we are to allow the Spirit to set the direction, to set our priorities. We are to place ourselves under the authority of the Spirit. And this is contrasted by Paul to those who live according to the sinful nature. So that's a choice. We can live without Christ, uh, according to the sinful nature, according to the flesh, or we can live in Christ, with Christ in us, according to the Spirit of Christ, according to the Spirit of God. Either way, we are controlled and directed by something or someone. So Bob Dylan was right. Uh, we have to serve somebody. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we have to serve somebody. It might be our sin nature or it might be the Holy Spirit, but we will be led in one direction or the other. Those of us who are in Christ are justified once and for all. We are made right in the eyes of God. It is just as if I'd never sinned for those of us who are trusting in Jesus. That's past tense. We have been saved. We have been justified. But we are being sanctified. That is a work in progress. It's happening now. We are being set free from the power and the presence of sin in our lives. It's an ongoing work. It's not being completed yet, and it won't be completed until we meet with Jesus face to face. When we see Him as He is, we will become like Him. Until then, we are at war, we are in this fight, we are in this battle to be made holy, to become more like Jesus. And there will be disappointments and discouragements as we fight this battle. We will fail, we will stumble, we will fall, we will be frustrated with ourselves. We will say with Paul, what a wretched person I am. But we never have any cause to despair because we know that in Christ, there is now no condemn condemnation for us. And we know that not only are we in Christ, but Christ is in us by His Spirit. The Holy Spirit is dwelling within us. And it's impossible for the Holy Spirit to dwell within us and not to make us more holy, not to make us more like Jesus. So in those moments where we're frustrated and we're disappointed and we're discouraged, we remind ourselves, even if we can't see it, God is working in us. God is working in us to make us more like Jesus. 
It might feel like a very slow and clumsy and painful process, but it is happening inevitably if we are in Christ and Christ is in us. We can say, I will grow in godliness. I will be freed from sin more and more in this lifetime and then perfectly when I see my Lord face to face. So what does this life led by the Spirit of God actually look like? Well, Paul compares and contrasts these two lives in verses 6 to 8. So, verse 6, he says, The mind of the sinful man or woman is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life. It's a life of life. You'll remember Jesus says in John 10, Uh, that He has come to give us life and life in all of its fullness. So it's a life of fullness, a life of fulfillment, we might say. So the Christian life is not an empty life. That's the perception that people have of the Christian life, that the Christian life is a life of saying no to things that would give us pleasure and joy and happiness and fulfillment. It's a life of denial for no good reason. Well, that's not the Christian life. The Christian life is not an empty life. It's a life of fulfillment. Uh, the, The life that we live in Christ is a life lived with pleasures put in their proper place. It's a life lived with a joy that we could not know were it not for Christ Jesus in our lives. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Life in all of its fullness. And also life eternal. Life forever with our Lord. So we live, we die, and we live. Without Christ, we would live, we would die, and then we would experience that Uh, existence which is not fit to be called life, the second death. So it's a life of life. The mind of the sinful person is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. A life of peace. There is a deep peace independent of our circumstances available to those who are to be found in Christ Jesus. A peace that we could not know, were it not, for Jesus in our lives. That doesn't mean that life never gets stressful as a Christian. It doesn't mean we never feel overwhelmed. It doesn't mean we never get anxious about things. But it does mean there is a peace that we know that we could not know if we didn't know Jesus. And that peace speaks volumes of the reality of the presence of our living Lord in our lives. A life with peace within and a life with peace with God. If you look at verse 7, the sinful mind is hostile to God. That's not a good place to be, is it? At war with God. Who wins that war? No one wins that war. 
with God. Praise God then that in Christ, living according to the Spirit, we are at peace with God. The sinful mind cannot and does not submit to God's law and therefore does not and cannot please God. Verse 8, we are those who can and do please God. Isn't that a thought? This amazing God that we spoke about in the children's talk. The lives that we live bring pleasure to God as we live in submission to His law. That might surprise you. You might think, well, hasn't Jesus come to abolish the law? Hasn't Jesus come to take us beyond the law to the next thing? Well, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law. And having fulfilled the law, having fulfilled the mission that God had given to him, he, he, he brings us into the new covenant. And what's the promise about the new covenant in Jeremiah 31? The promise is that God will write His law on our hearts. So we have the law in here. We have this desire to fulfill the law of God within us. The law of God is powerless to save us because we can't, uh, we can't uh, tick all of the boxes. But the law of God is not bad. The law of God is good. It shows us how to live a life pleasing to God. And when we come to faith in Christ, that desire is birthed within our heart to live a life that brings pleasure to Him, to know Him, and to live uh, a, a life that looks like the life of Jesus. And it's in the law of God that we find how to do that. So what does this life of fullness and peace and obedience to the law of God actually look like? That life lived in accordance with the Spirit. Well, surely the man or the woman living in step with the Spirit is the man or the woman who is filled with the fruit of the Spirit. So Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, he says, the acts of the sinful nature of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you want to live a life like that, a life marked by those virtues? Well, if you've been born again into this new life, lived in step with the Spirit, lived in Christ and lived with Christ in you, then the answer to that question will be yes, you do want to live a life that looks like that. You might say, 
I do, but I have, I have blown it time and time again. I have stumbled, I have sinned, I have fallen, I have wrestled with the same sin month after month, year after year, and I never seem to be able to beat it. So surely now I have gone too far. Well, again, I say that you have not exhausted the grace of God. There is no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. You're secure in that love which endures forever. He has taken your sin and thrown it as far as the east is from the west. He has forgiven your first sin and your last sin and every in-between sin. You are utterly safe and secure in the grace and the love of God as you are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And in the battle here and now, when it's hard for you, when you feel like a bit of a fraud, when you keep failing, you keep stumbling, you keep falling, be assured that just as you are in Christ, Christ is in you. And as slow as it may seem to you, and as painful as it may be, He is working. He is working to make you more like Jesus. He is working to free you from sin. And you will one day look back and be able to trace that work, to see that work in a way that you cannot just now. So keep battling. Keep fighting sin. Keep battling for holiness and for purity and for godliness and for Christ-likeness. Never give in to discouragement. Take him at his word. No matter what age and stage of the Christian life you're at, he is able to do amazing things in you and through you. You can do all things through him who strengthens you. You can love the unlovable. You can forgive that which at one time would have seemed to you to be unforgivable. You can stand for truth. You can suffer with patience and with peace. You can live alive to God. You can live in such a way as to be able to say with the Apostle Paul at the very end of your life, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. This life lived according to the Spirit, knowing his presence and his power is not just for the super-Christian, you know, the famous celebrity Christian, not just for the pastor who stands up behind the pulpit on a Sunday. It's not just for one type of Christian. It's not just for charismatic Christians or Pentecostal Christians. This is for all Christians, for all who are believing in Jesus. Look at verse 9. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Do you belong to Jesus? the answer to that is yes, then you have His Spirit. 
And His Spirit is never idle. His Spirit is always working in you, working in you for holiness and life and peace, working in you for good and for God's glory in your life, working in you to make you more like Jesus. But you're not passive in this work. That doesn't mean He does it all when you do nothing. You're to be encouraged by His presence and His power working within. And in that fresh encouragement, you are to work with Him in putting the things of the old nature to death and in following the leading of the Spirit as you live your life in uh, accordance with the Spirit of God, with the Word of God, and with the law of God as you work with Him for the glory of God in and through your life. And our closing hymn really is a celebration of the new life that we have in Christ Jesus and a declaration of our intent to give our all to Him. King of kings, majesty, God of heaven living in me, gentle Savior, closest friend, strong deliverer, beginning and end, all within me falls at your throne.